It is so well defined. What we have to do today, we got to go to work. We got to do right offense. Hey everybody! It's another episode of NFL in London. Wade McQuinn here with my guest this uh, today, Callum Squires. Callum, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, Wade. Thanks for having me back. Good, good. Nice to have you here. Callum's uh, an old friend of ours. Uh, Callum is British, but lived in America. Yeah, five years spent in San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio, beautiful city. Nice, right by the rivers. Lots of hot women in, in San Antonio. It's a lovely place. It's a lovely place. The, the culture and the food and everything just first class. Honestly, I, I had the time of my life. Nice. And you are also an NFL fan. We were an NFL fan before you moved to the States, right? Yeah, no. The the, the game that made me fall in love with the NFL was uh, the David Tyree helmet catch. Uh, okay. Uh, Patriots-Giants was the kind of the first Super Bowl I really watched and um, kind of all the storylines that went into it and everything that happened in that one game, let alone the context of that season, just kind of grabbed me. And then, you know, as a teenager, tried to follow it more and more. But obviously moving, into, moving to the U.S. when I was 19... Um, I got a whole load of college football experience, yeah. and then obviously you know being in Texas, you know Sundays belong to the Cowboys, so you have to you have to learn quickly about Texas NFL. So. Oh God! Well, learning about the Cowboys is one thing. Yeah. Um, so you are though you're not a Cowboys fan. Do you no. want to tell everyone admit it or yeah, do you pull the no, bag yeah. off your head? <laughs> no, yeah, I'm praying for some Fitz magic this year. Yeah, no, ah, I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. I in you know are in the the uh, infant stages of my fandom I decided it was a good idea to pick a team and I'm a big Manchester United soccer fan in the UK and so um, I figured that having had a successful team I should pick a team that never wins anything you know to balance myself out Um, and so the Dolphins was an easy pick and uh, yeah no I've been Proudly a member of the Miami fan club since uh, since about 08, yeah. Fetted to possibly be the worst team this year, if you're looking at it. Actually, the Giants with having a slew of injuries so far in training camp. But um, Dolphins, so yeah, obviously it's been a struggle for the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, the, the Tannehill, the Tannehill exper- experiment, I should say, um, it looked like it had some positive outcomes a few years back. And there was the season that we did actually make the playoffs. And that was when Ajayi really burst onto the scene. Mm-hmm. And then... It all kind of fell apart to to go from having a you know Tannehill, Ajayi, and Landry, um, and a pretty good defense a few years back to now you're looking at an offense and you don't know who the quarterback is. You know, mm-hmm. is Rosen going to develop and be the player that was drafted last year? Yeah. Um, or are you relying on thirty five year old Ryan Fitzpatrick? You know, I mean, I I think at the end of the day, this season is try and get the best draft pick which is such an st- alien concept to a lot of you know UK sports fans yeah I know let's but. let's suck it up so bad this year so we get the good guys next year which Cleveland Browns employed as a strategy for over a decade and now you know you look at the Browns and you think this year uh, it's obviously balancing personalities and egos but they've got so much talent yeah is there any way they don't win you know 10 games um, and it, it'll be interesting to see I mean you know I I would be okay if the Dolphins came out and just said we're going to try and tank for Tua Tagovailoa. Um, yeah. It'd be interesting to see them go that route, but especially when you trade for Rosen, you then kind of think, are they trying to build around him for the future? But I, I hold out no hope this year in an AFC East with obviously the Patriots and now with the Jets with Le'Veon Bell. And, yeah. uh, we never seem to be able to beat the Bills anyway. So um. Yeah, they sort of have a bugaboo. <laughs> I've seen the, the Bills and Dolphins play a couple times, once in Miami, once in a couple times in Buffalo, and uh, they really seem to have your number. I mean, Buffalo, when you play in Buffalo, particularly in the winter, it is nasty. And I'm not just, ta- I'm just talking about the city itself. I'm not actually talking about the team. The city itself. I mean, you go for chicken wings. Canadians, we go to Buffalo for chicken wings and cheap yeah. shopping and cheap beer, and you're like, this beer doesn't taste like beer because it's only 2% alcohol. Um <laughs> But it's um, it's one of those things where Buffalo has that. But, I mean, the bugaboo, I think, is always happens is that for the Patriots, 
playing in Miami is always tough. They yeah. always seem to lose. And I, Ryan and I talked about it. I had said I, I thought it was because the players, that's where they keep their girlfriends. And so they go out and party on the Saturday night. It's like, oh, God, we got to play. It's, it's, a, it's a funny thing that that's always kind of been the way. I mean, I, I can't remember celebrating a win in Foxborough for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. we just, there's no chance no. of the Dolphins winning in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we've, we've been fortunate at times. Obviously, the, you know, the Miami Miracle played last season and yeah. you know, Kenyon Drake, who, you know, could, could lead to a good career for him. But, you know, hopefully that's the play that kind of sparks his, his NFL career. Um, I, yeah, I can't really explain it. I mean, it's always nice when you beat the Patriots. You know, I'm, I'm cheering against the Patriots every weekend, regardless yeah. of if they're playing the sure. Dolphins or not. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see as it goes this year. I, I, I think... I think the Dolphins might just be not bad enough to win three or four games. Yeah. Um, if they won five, I'd be surprised. I think if you managed to finish anywhere other than fourth in the AFC East, that would surprise most people. Yeah, um, I, I think that's and, a pretty good feeling. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a season of losing, and you've kind of just got to be okay with that. Yeah. Um, and rebuild, you know, not, you know. It takes a special franchise and a special set of coaches to maintain at the top level for so long as much as it pains me to say it yeah. like the Patriots do um, and so yeah I mean you know everyone in the league has got to be aspiring to be them really you know defending champions yeah I mean defending but also having a platform for a team that for the past decade and a, and a half have um, been very you know on point and you know if you look at it making the playoffs and, and just being consistent and having Brady and being able to utilize a lot of players who normally wouldn't make it on other teams but are employed on that uh, New England team with effectiveness and and really makes them you sort of go yeah how they keep doing this their their ability to make exceptional plays with not the superstar receivers in the league yeah. is a really impressive thing now obviously Julian Edelman is a hell of a talent but yeah. you look at the career that Danny Amendola had there sure. very good for a long time um, people like Chris Hogan and I'm really interested to see how Inkeel Harry does this year their, mm-hmm. their draft pick from yeah. uh, from Arizona um, he's he's a really interesting prospect. You know, number thirty-two in the first round. I think he could be someone that you know Brady. They've seemed they've been very positive about him in their PR so far. So yeah, I mean, anytime you well. get someone who, who who Brady is going to be able to toss to, and, and you know he's going to work with him because Brady basically he does employ this sort of dad mentality with guys. He's like, I'm going to graft it into you. We're going to work through this. And you know, even with Josh Gordon, who's you know obviously they're wondering if he's going to come back. Um, you know, Brady, if the, it is Gordon and Keel together, that that could be a really good combination. Does Brady still have the zip to be able to get it down the field, though? Yeah, obviously, father time waits for no man and all these things. Yeah. You know, it, Brady is is fighting an uphill battle against age, but, you know, people have been saying for four or five years, myself included, yeah. the cliff's coming, the cliff's coming, and then he wins the Super Bowl again. And, you know, yeah. the, 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 the statistics you see online about, you know, Brady's more likely to get to a Super Bowl than some teams are to, you know, score yeah. a touchdown. Yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous, but, um, you know, you just have to, you have to laugh at, the impress, I mean, and it sucks as a as an anti Patriots guy. Of course, yeah. Um, but the the impressiveness of what the Patriots do, you have to respect it at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things that I've sort of gotten to the point that yeah, the past few years I've been this is the year, this is the year. Now nah, I just don't even bother calling it anymore because you just don't know. <laughs> you, you you know you, he do, he adapts every day, every year. He makes adjustments to his game. He's able to release the ball quicker. There's a scientific principle to this guy that you know that everything is finessed. And so you don't want to bet against him. It's very, he's very hard to hit, you know, and he's not getting crunched. I mean, he's going down, but he's not getting hit hard. Um, so, you know, whereas a lot of other quarterbacks are just getting smoked sometimes, and you sort of wonder how long they can continue that up. You know, Aaron Rodgers maybe doesn't throw a lot of interceptions, but he gets hit. Yeah. And, and his ability to sort of 
you know, not dip it out before the pocket can be really problematic for him. So it's going to be interesting to see what he sort of does. I want to talk about your experience living in Texas. San Antonio, obviously a great town. Um, but when you first moved there, what was it like getting into that American? Because not only it's, it's Friday nights in Texas, and I've been to Friday Night Lights in Texas. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, so I, I was playing playing soccer at my university and then obviously had the kind of the experience of being in and around the collegiate things and, and obviously the high school things in and around Texas. And you learn very quickly how, you know, how deep the root between sport and society is in mm-hmm. Texas. And it's, you know, we in the UK, we think we're a worldwide sporting powerhouse. And honestly, it couldn't be further from the truth. You know, um, people get very into the ashes when England doing well in cricket. Or if, you know, if the World Cup last summer, you know, obviously yeah. everyone's, it's coming home. But in America, it's constant. And especially in the South, in Texas, football is yeah. is what it's about. Um there are obviously big basketball franchises in various cities yeah. and baseball. You know, the, the Astros won a World Series a few years ago. Um, but high school football is, is a religion. And, you know, we, we I heard you guys mention on, on, on the podcast with, with Ryan about Last Chance U. And, you know, yeah. there are so many schools in Texas in little small towns where the American football team for the high school or for the junior yeah. college or for the college, like that's the lifeblood of the town. Yeah. Um, and it becomes larger than life in that sense. And getting to experience that firsthand was, was just incredible. And, you know, meeting Texans fans who've not had that much success, but they've got a lot better in recent years and mm-hmm. Cowboys fans who are so determined to keep the success yeah. that they perceive that they've had, even though it's been a decade or so. And, you know, it's, it's a really interesting, uh, kind of melting pot of sporting culture there in, in Texas itself. Yeah, I mean, the Texas, it, it's that Friday Night Lights, and when you talk about people uh, living through their glory years of, of high school, those really are their glory years for a lot of people, you know. I'm the best, I'm a football player. And then you're working in an Amazon warehouse in six months later. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing, really, because I went to some of the Friday Night Lights games when I was down in Texas, and just amazing hospitality. You know, everyone has a great time. Um, but everyone shows up and you got like 9,000 people at a high school game and you're sort of going, oh, Jesus, like, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I went to, I went to you know, state playoff games in, in the Dallas area with friends yeah. of mine. And these are, you know, stadiums that wouldn't look out of part, out of place in, you know, the second division of professional English soccer in the UK. Like that's, yeah. you know, just the kind of surroundings. And, and these are like 16, 17, 18 year old kids. Yeah. Which, you know, I, when I was playing sports over here in at that age range, you know, it was four parents and a dog in a field in North London you know it's it's not stands it's not replays it's not broadcast online Um, and it's incredible the money that they put into it but you know you have to say when you have the the premier clearly the premier American football league in the world you're doing something right and uh, I, I was so amazed by the concept that there were people out there who cared more about high school football or college football than the NFL yeah because to me you know it's just a no brainer that the professional sport is the one you care about most but obviously you know in in states like alabama where they don't have the professional franchise mm-hmm. roll tide yeah. is, is all that matters oh yeah and that's and that's you know such an interesting kind of concept to, to us from in the uk because it's just not how we were raised in that sense and you know i love the fact that someone i would meet people all the time um who would say you know i watched nick Foles in the austin area yeah in high school and I followed Nick Foles' career as he's obviously developed into, you know, winning a Super Bowl, which is incredible. Yeah. But people will follow these kids from the age of 15 to 35 and follow an individual player's career, which is interesting. And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, I've had sports 
sports people that I've admired and followed their careers but in it's here it's just so much more based on the team yeah. rather than the individual but when you can watch someone for 20 years straight and see them develop you know it's, it's an incredible opportunity it's almost like an origin story for a lot of these yeah. people that you'll be able to see it but it's also you identify with them from your hometown and for a lot of them you actually talks about when you're talking about some of these smaller communities high school football is everything and you know when you look at American college you know football in America in college the college football programs profits pay for every other sport everything yeah. and they make enough money to not only do that but give an endowments and, and you know they make enough money off that high school is the same thing it's a microcosm uh, you know uh, economy pretty much where this high school you know you're charging people you're selling shirts you're selling hats there's sponsorship obviously these kids don't get paid um, but the school makes a bucket ton and the, the you know the, the equipment's free and mm-hmm. you, you get a lot of you know benefits a lot of people don't actually see. It's a really interesting kind of conundrum to balance the two because obviously in you know we're talking about high school and college sports, there's such an element of education that goes into this. And education and athletics are quite often at loggerheads mm-hmm. in terms of these environments where the education thinks, oh these athletes, they get away with everything. Why are they not studying harder? It's just, you know, they need to focus on their academics as well. Yeah. And on the flip side of things, the acad- the athletics are saying, well, appreciate us more. We're providing the funding that yeah. enables you to teach these classes. And it's it's a really interesting catch-22 in that sense. And something I saw online this morning, actually, which is really interesting, is that LSU, Louisiana State University's uh, athletic director, has come out and said that they're going to try and not share the proceeds Oh. from the football program with the rest of the university and say, you know, this is wow. this is money for athletics rather than for the whole university. And that's a, a very dangerous precedent to set, I think. I think it's very difficult because, you know, it is the university that still yeah. employs you. And LSU just showcased their locker room yeah. photos, which yeah. had, like, beds and... Sleeping pods. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's incredible. Which, and so it's like, everyone's like, oh, we can't wait to get some of that. No, you don't get any. None of you get knitted. You know, it's like... <laughs> A selfish kind of thing. I mean, when you played soccer yes. or football in America, did you notice that between the soccer team that you guys had mm-hmm. and the football team that there was a real hierarchy amongst it? No, I was very fortunate in the, the school I went to, Trinity University in San Antonio. Um, there wasn't any sort of hierarchy with that in terms of what we we had for each other. You know, it was it's a small Division three liberal arts university but is blessed with a really large endowment and mm-hmm. we had very, very nice facilities. Now, obviously, these facilities were shared. It's not quite big enough to have a football gym and a everyone else yeah, gym. Yeah, sure. Um, we had really nice locker rooms that were put in, I think, my senior year. Um, and I was very fortunate to be in an environment where, you know, the athletes treated each other with respect and there wasn't really a hierarchy in terms of the university's perception. Now, you are still in Texas. Yeah. So when there were football team successes, I definitely think they got pushed that little bit more yeah. just because it's Texas yeah. um, but that's not to say that when the volleyball and the women's basketball teams and the tennis teams had, had successes just like men's and women's soccer that they weren't also pushed as well um, but I know for sure in other environments in Texas that you know it's football it's 50 feet of concrete and then it's everywhere yeah, else sure. um, and that's just based on interest level and you know be, in San Antonio specifically being so close to the Mexican border and having such a large Hispanic culture mm-hmm. is a big soccer town yeah of course um, whereas as good as the Dynamo and the Dash are in Houston obviously you've got the Texans you've got the Rockets and obviously in Dallas you've got FC Dallas but it's, yeah. it's the Cowboys who own that town yeah. um, and that's and that's kind of the difference but they they just put so much money into it because they want to succeed and you know I was, I was watching the uh the, the Cowboys All or Nothing series, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and you look at the star and the facilities they've got, and obviously yeah. this is the elite of the elite, but 
it's as nice as anything you could ever see and you know the, the money they put into it because they want to be successful you you understand how quickly coaches get hired and fired when they're not bringing the success that they want yeah i mean obviously dallas being the most uh, profitable or most valuable franchise yeah. in the world um it speaks for itself yeah and so when you were also there how would you say the caliber of the soccer players were compared to say what you're used to in, in england um i i had a very international team Mm-hmm. Um, we had players from Brazil and, and Colombia and then, you know, myself, Sweden, various places in Europe as well. Um, we were a, re- a relatively elite level Division Three program. My, we actually own still the longest active streak of NCAA tournament appearances in any division oh, of NCAA wow. soccer. So it was a, a very elite program run by uh, coach Paul McGinley, which is, he's been there for 30 years and, you know, really developed a program that meant that, you know, I wasn't going over there as an Englishman at the top of the line. You know, yeah. I was I was very much in amongst the fight to get on the field and, and play. I mean, obviously, there's a disparity in levels of in every section of the game. Yeah. You know, there's going to be really good Division Three schools and really bad Division Three schools. Um, we definitely could have competed in kind of a, I say a, a mid-range Division One level in in some ways. Now, yeah. whereas in the environment we were in in our conference, we were winning. 20 games a season and making the NCAA tournament every year in Division 1 obviously a lot more competitive and that wouldn't happen every year Um, but certainly we had a lot of players who could have played at Division 1 level um, but based on recruiting or scholarships you know how these things work you know it's it's difficult to get the look sometime depending on where you're from yeah Um, and yeah, but no, I, th- I think the the thing that really is amazing is the, the just the funding, mm-hmm. um, and I you know I think the US is trying to grow soccer so much um, that it will eventually you know catch up with the rest of the world in that sense, and you know the even the improvements since you know the nineteen ninety four World Cup in the US. Yeah, you think about that's twenty five years, which sounds like a long time, but in the grand scheme of things, isn't that long? And they've come so far. So, so far, far, I mean, yeah, even Toronto being a Canadian, of I, course, yeah. I, I've noticed just the Toronto FC, how big it's gotten, yeah. uh, how many people it's just sort of added. They've had to add new stadiums to it. So there's a real growth in that potential. Um, and, and then also, I think the big question that sort of people that would listening would want to know is how do the English accent work on the American girls? <laughs> Um, I was I was very fortunate. I've got a very lovely girlfriend from Houston. Oh, but back before you met her. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry. Say, I just want you to read a menu for me. Just read something. <laughs> what was really funny was just the welcoming nature of people yeah. wanting to get to know me purely because I was British, which yeah. was, um, you know, I... I I don't think I'm anything that special. You know, I'm just I'm just a person from London who happened to move to Texas. But because certainly in that surrounding in the south of the US, people from the UK are not as common. Yeah. Um. You know, I might have been the first foreign person someone had ever met. You know, yeah. depending on the situation they'd come from. Um. And so you know, people, you do, I definitely had situations where people were like, "Hey, can you just talk?" Yeah. And I'm there like, "What do you mean?" Yeah. <laughs> um. We supposed to speak the same language. Yeah. No, exactly. I don't know why it's so different, but it's it's a really funny uh it's a really funny environment. And you know, there there were times at the start where there was a lot of culture shock. Yeah. Obviously, Texas is pretty south yeah um, and there's a lot of things about it that are very different to north london where we are right now what was the um, biggest thing that to hit you the biggest difference I, I got off the plane the first time i landed there and the first person i saw in san antonio airport had a huge stetson huge cowboy boots massive belt buckle check flannel shirt and the biggest kind of beard mustache combo i'd ever seen yeah. like, okay so we're playing up to yeah. the stereotypes then okay that's yeah. fine and a gun um, yeah no, i know yeah that was it in day two i was uh, walking along my walking through my campus and the campus police lady she she cycled past on her bike and I noticed she had a gun on her hip and I, yeah. I freaked out you yeah know, why does she have a gun at a university and all my American teammates were yeah. like 
what do you mean? Yeah, <laughs> you know, never heard of a school shooting before, <laughs> newbie. Yeah, it's it's just a funny situation. You know, the differences in you know, and and obviously, you know, Canada, the U.S. and the U.K. three Western English speaking countries. Yeah. You know, world powers, but such a difference in yeah. culture between all three of them, and that and that, I think that's something that's so interesting. You know, between yeah, the three. it's it's part of the children of the empire. We all we're all different. We all have different things. Yeah, I mean, uh, you look at you look at kind of maybe rugby in the UK, American football yeah. in the US, and Canadian football in in Canada, and you know, yeah, similar or, origins, but obviously you know very different games. Very now. different games, very different played, and and you obviously Canada Canada our, our games a lot different than the American yeah. football, but we all sort of come to embrace the NFL and, yeah. and ready for another big season of it. Um, how did you enjoy the end of last season? The uh, the last season, obviously the lowest scoring Super Bowl. Yes, um, quite a boring game. Yeah, I was very disappointed. I was heavily, heavily in favor of the Rams, um, yeah. obviously, and it didn't didn't quite go the way I wanted it to. Um, I was I was sad to see such an exciting season for the Rams fizzle out like yeah. that. I mean, you have to you know give the Patriots credit, but you really went into that game expecting a shootout, and for whatever reason, it, it didn't come together. I'm intrigued to see how Goff bounces back with the Rams. I mean, yeah. McVeigh is you know a pretty prodigious young talent as a coach and yeah. is clearly going to have taken that hard and tried to figure out things to do but then there's a the question over Todd Gurley and you know is he is he able to kind of perform the way he did last year for them and, and stay healthy despite yeah. his, his injury issues um, so I think the Rams are a very interesting team to watch but I do think they'll be I think they'll be back with a vengeance and certainly in the playoffs again and then I I'm really excited to see what the Chiefs do this year again you know yeah. they, the Mahomes season 2 effect Will there be the you know the patented Dak Prescott sophomore slump, or will there be a you know a, another Mahomes masterclass? Really, um, you know they've had some controversy, shall we say, with with Tyreek Hill and everything that's gone on with that. But yeah. I, I, I think the Chiefs have have enough on offense that they're gonna you know scare teams still, and and Mahomes he's prodigious. Yeah, I mean they they were obviously they they were able to put up a lot of points, and and I think that Kansas City LA game that we all saw yes. from Mexico, um, London was jealous. But what an amazing game! <laughs> what an amazing performance! It, it was just one of those back and forths where you're just like no one wanted it to end. Mm. When you finally did end, it was like this sort of marathon session. It's like I just need to sit down. <laughs> it's like you've just been on this crazy roller coaster where you're having sex on it and watching football, and you're just tired and fatigued. It's never happened to me. Um, but let's go through some of the divisions, get your sort of thoughts. We'll start with your division uh, now, AFC yeah. East. Bills, um, you know, you've, you've had a resurgence uh, in, in the Buffalo team, uh, New England, and obviously the Jets making some big moves this year. Will it pay off? Uh, are, they, are they really going to be able to, to, to put that fire together? Um, you know, Patriots, perennial favorites, always returning. It's you know basically the the pressure's on them. So what do you what do you like in this division? I, I think the Patriots will will fairly simply win the division. I do actually think that the Jets will finish second. I think with with the Bell and and Darnold combo, who I think had a pretty good year at times last year, and, and is mm-hmm. looking you know like he's got some talent to move forward. Now I don't want to discredit Josh Allen and the Bills, but I think the Bills will be fighting to try and catch the Jets. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see Patriots winning it. Jets second. Jets probably miss out on a wild card spot, but I yeah. think they'll have a winning record, which will be positive for them. So like a nine and seven minimum. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And then you know the Bills, I could see maybe a seven nine, and then Dolphins. Okay. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hopefully say four and twelve. Okay, hopefully. But to be honest, maybe I should be hoping for zero and sixteen. So I, I don't really know, but I uh, I think the Patriots will be the lone the lone playoff team from the AFC East. Yeah, I mean, it's like anything with every year. It's the injury factor that comes into it. You know, by week five, you sort of know who's sort of pulling through and what's going to happen. And obviously, if your team is doing well, 
you know, you've got a star player on your team, then the Patriots will find some tape on this person doing something bad, release it to the media, and that person will get suspended. <laughs> it happens every year. It does happen, yeah. <clears throat> NFC North. Um, everyone's talking the Browns, but everyone's fading Pittsburgh like they've just died and disappeared. And Baltimore, um, who uh, were playing, you know, were playing really well near the end of the season last year, Lamar Jackson. Um, they made some adjustments to their running game. Pittsburgh, James Conner, you know, is the Browns worth the hype? I th- I'm on the Browns bandwagon. I, I really like Baker. I think that just the sheer amount of talent they have when you talk about a one-two punch of OBJ and Landry who are both at times unplayable in very different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but an exceptional receiving core that they've got. You know, you think about Kareem Hunt joining Chubb. You know, they've, yeah. they've got a really, really exciting team. Um, and Kitchens obviously has a, has a tough job to kind of keep all the egos in check mm-hmm. um, but it's the sort of situation where I just think they're too talented not to win games Yeah, um, and I also think you know people have been talking about is there enough ball for Landry and, and Beckham and everyone else but people I think are underselling how close Landry and Beckham are and they've you know gone on record as teammates at LSU and everything yeah. I think it's a lot easier to accept when you're not getting catches when your best friend is Yeah, as, as long as there's no animosity and you're not like pitching at the coach going that should have been my ball my exactly. ball Exactly. So, you know, I, I could see the Browns. I, I think I think the Browns and the Steelers could both make the playoffs from this division. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Bengals... I struggle to see the Bengals winning more than one game, to be honest. Yeah, especially with AJ Green now. They're saying he could miss up to four or five games now. And that is... Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of their offense. It's, all, a, it's, real lot of their it's offense. a lot of their offense. It's, it's a big chunk of their offense. Obviously, their primary target being gone. Obviously, for fantasy news... Not a very good thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Cincinnati, I think, is is really going to have to rebuild, not just one year. It's going to take several years. And you know what's going to happen with the Andy Dalton factor after that. But I agree with the Steelers, and I think James Conner, Mike Tomlin, he's just in a, he's an intense competitor. And so I just really can't see them not doing well. Uh, we move to one with um, AFC South, which another injury update that Andrew Luck is injured. Um, they're not saying for how long. Uh, but it could be shoulder and ankle, they're saying. Uh, the Houston Texans, uh, always the bridesmaid, never... <laughs> well, basically, they get ditched at the wedding. Yeah. And Jacksonville Jaguars and Tennessee Titans. Jacksonville, uh, obviously looking to rebound, uh, but having a you know a couple years ago, good good year, good defense, um, and now getting rid of their quarterback. And then Tennessee Titans and the flip-flopping Marcus Mariota. Who do you like in this one? I, I think, you know, when you talk about the injury to Luck, the Colts are not going to be the same team without him mm-hmm. if he is injured for any serious amount of time, um, which is obviously up in the air. I think the Jaguars, as per usual, are going to be relying on their defense. Um, and I struggle to see the Titans putting much together. I mm-hmm. like Mariota. I like Derek Henry. But I I can't see the Titans being a, being a force at all. Um, I think the Texans should fairly easily win the division. And... I could see, you know, the Colts and the Jags both being around eight and eight, mm-hmm. um, and the Titans worse than that. I don't, I don't think any of the other three could could make a playoff push other than Houston. Yeah, uh, it's gonna be interesting to see, as you say, with the injury with Andrew Luck. I mean, uh, he is sort of the glass doll, so you just wonder how bad this injury is gonna be. You know, with having so many injuries and then coming back. Um, Jacksonville, yeah, look, gonna be a tough team, and Houston, you know, Deshaun Watson, if he's playing really well, he's yeah. gonna be tough. So this could be an interesting division, but I agree the Tennessee Titans, to me, they just don't have what it takes to keep going on with this thing. Um, and they're going to have to start looking at options. What are you going to do with Mariota? You know, the running game, um, the defense kept them in a lot of games last year, but that's it's not something you can rely on when you've just got a mediocre offense. 
Moving to the AFC West, Denver, Kansas City Chiefs, the Chargers, and Raiders. Raiders, obviously, are the new Cleveland Browns, who everyone's talking about with their draft choices. John Gruden with a lot of pressure on him, with Derek Carr, with A.B. You have the Chargers, who a lot of people, including USA Today, are picking to win this uh, the whole thing. The Chiefs and the Broncos. The Broncos, who used to be the bell of the ball, are kind of the ugly duckling in this division. A very interesting division, this AFC West. Yeah, I think you've got three teams that will have winning records and the Broncos. (laughs) It's really what it comes down to. Um, Again, I I feel like I will will be really, really ramping up for this season once Hard Knocks starts. Yeah. And and seeing the Raiders on Hard Knocks and seeing a little bit, and you're probably going to get a few explosive quotes from Antonio Brown. Yeah. um, And that'll lead into... I'm I'm 99% sure the Raiders are playing the Steelers this year. Yeah. Which will be really interesting to see you know, what happens there. Um, I, I, I think I, I, I'm sticking with my concept. I think the Chiefs the Chiefs are the best team in the division. Yeah. Um, but I think the Raiders will have a, a, a bounce back here, shall we say, in terms of yeah. bouncing themselves into contention along with the Chargers. It, it, it's kind of a toss-up for those two, in my mind, who finishes behind the Chiefs in the yeah. division. Um, I think the Chargers have probably got, you know, more consistency and maybe the better defense based on last year, um, but the Raiders obviously with the high draft picks, and you know, I, I, it, it's going to be really interesting to see what Gruden does with them. Um, and I, I actually think hard knocks might be something that can help them. Uh, you yeah. Know, just get a groundswell of kind of emotion behind the team, and you know, the Browns almost became everyone's team after hard knocks previously, yeah. and people wanted to see them succeed. And you know, I could see that happening with the Raiders as well. There's always that hard knocks factor that affects my fantasy picks or a lot of people's yeah, fantasy picks because you watch and go, I want him on my team because he's got a heart. And then you, because normally when you're doing fantasy, it's it's only based on statistics. But when you actually see someone, it's like, he's driving his mom's car in and he's got six kids. And you're like, oh my God. Um, I'm I'm the volition though. The Chargers, I think, you know, Joey Bosa has come up and said that he's going to turn it around this year. I think he's got a lot of talent, you know, missing a few games last year. Phillip Rivers, consistent. Obviously, they, they shut the bed when they played the Patriots last year. Very much so. Uh, but if you took one team out of this to go to the Super Bowl, who's your AFC team? Uh, AFC team for the Super Bowl? Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to pick the Patriots, isn't it? Yeah. But I, I would love to see an AFC championship game of the Patriots against either the Chiefs or the Browns. Yeah. I'd love to see that happen. And then I can cheer for whichever of the teams. Whichever the, the other ones. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with the Patriots again. I, I haven't picked them in the past few years, but you know what? I'm just, yeah. it's like, you know, when you're being beaten with a belt, not that I ever have been, but after a while you're just, okay, I'll take it, I'll take it. Speaking of just taking it, let's move to the <laughs> NFC East. Um, so Philadelphia Eagles, where everyone is talking about that it's Philadelphia's year, I'm not as convinced. Uh, you got the Giants, Cowboys, and Redskins. Yeah, there's been all those Madden simulations where people are saying the Cowboys will win. Um, and this is a mercurial up-and-down division. Washington and the Giants, really, the fire extinguishers ready for the dumpster fire that is about to be their team. Yeah, you know, looking at the AFC West previously, we had three winning teams and the Broncos. Here you've got two winning teams, the Giants and Washington, for me. Mm-hmm. Um you know the the Cowboys and the Eagles, I think, will both have solid seasons. Um, I... I I'm not necessarily. I'm with you in terms of not being sold completely on Philly, yeah. um, but I think they've got a lot of talent, and I I do like Carson Wentz. I think the key thing with the Cowboys is this Zeke drama. Yeah. If, if Ezekiel Elliott is not there, as you saw a couple of years ago when he was suspended, yeah, just not the same team. No, exactly. And 
if I was them, I, w- I would pay him. I mean, yeah. he's, for me, the premier pure running back in the league. Um, you know, you've got the guys like McCaffrey and, yeah. and, and other such players, you know, Bell, who are very good in the passing game as well. But in terms of, I'm going to take the ball and get you five yards to carry, there's no one as good as Zeke in my mind. And if Zeke signs with them and plays with them, I think it'll be a very close fight between the Cowboys and the Eagles for the division championship. Yeah. But I think they'll both make the playoffs. If Zeke isn't there, I don't know that Dak has enough around him. I like Amari Cooper, but yeah. I don't know that Dak has enough around him to complement him that would uh, that would drive them forward. I'm interested to see what Jason Witten does. Yeah, you know that's a, that's another interesting storyline as well. But yeah, if he retires halfway through the season, or or like the Buffalo player just quits through the game, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going back to the broadcast booth. Um, yeah, I, I believe to- well personally, I believe Dak and Carson Wentz are both overrated. Um, and I think this division will be a struggle, as it usually is. Um, this division seems to be struck by injuries consistently. Mm-hmm. They seem to have the bad luck of injuries, whether it's competitiveness, whether I'm not sure what it is, training, uh, recovery, uh, but all four of these teams seem to struggle in that regard. And I still am going to fade this division. I'm, I'm not a big fan of it, despite what they're all saying. Division I do think is good. NFC North, my <laughs> Chicago Bears. Uh, the yeah, let me have a guess who you think is going to win the division. Well, I, I think it's going to be tight. Yeah, no, I Detroit, think Green Bay, and Minnesota. I mean, this is really the... There's a lot of onus on Aaron Rodgers this year yeah. to put up. Uh, Minnesota, for the amount of money that they've spent on players, um, what are they going to do with it? You know, um, And then you've got Detroit, who really there's no pressure, man. It's yeah. um, So, I mean, the Bears, obviously, I don't think we're going to have the same kind of success we had last year when you have a number one defense. It... It very rarely repeats. Um, and the running game and kicking game are suspect. Yes. Um, and Trubisky, you know, he I've had some issues with his uh, consistency. So, yeah, what do you think of this one? I'm really hoping for your sake that you get a kicker. Because yeah. I don't I don't want to see you like I did last year again. Oh, God. Um, doink, it, doink, 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 doink. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You know, that's, that, no, no, I wish that on no man in, other, no. other than Patriots fans. Yeah. Um, I... I think it'll be between the Bears and the Packers. I, I think Rodgers will will start to put up. I mean, I think he's just got too much talent to to not do so mm-hmm. effectively. And obviously, you know, same as Brady, there's a cliff at some point. Well, except I, he's I, six years younger than Brady and, and plays like he's six years yeah. older. I, <laughs> I just don't think the cliff's anywhere immediate for, for, for Rodgers with that. I think it'll be... I think the Vikings are, you know, a dangerous threat as well. I, I, I understand what you're saying with the Lions having, you know, not a lot to lose. I don't know that they're good enough to compete for actually competing for the division. Mm. I, I don't see them winning many games. I, I think I think the Bears have a good shot of winning the division. I think it'll be I think it'll probably end up being the Bears and the Packers in the top two. I think the Vikings yeah. will probably just fail fall away a little bit. Um, even though I like I like a lot of their talent, but uh, I'm looking forward to the Green Bay Chicago season opener. I think it'll be a real, oh, it'll be a real statement game. Yeah, it's gonna be good. If, if yeah. the Bears win, it's a real statement game. And yeah. equally, if Rodgers can, can pull it out for Green Bay, then they're, they're playing from ahead from the start. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be an amazing game. Looking forward to that one. It, it's not on until 1 in the morning. Uh, but, damn, it's going to be good. Yeah, I know you're staying up even. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> we stay up. My whole sleep schedule changes around the yeah, NFL. Exactly. All my work schedule, everything. It's like Monday is my day. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I end up working on Saturdays. But that's all right. NFC South. Uh, Falcons, tragically... Uh, demolished for their own injuries last year. Carolina uh, riding off the back of, of Christian McCaffrey. The Saints, so far, so close, not good enough. 
and the Buccaneers with Bruce Arians uh, looking to make some changes. Interesting division, this one. Very. Uh, the Saints, to me, are just, you know, Drew Brees, this is the year that he's really got to try it, you know? Like, his wife needs new jewels, and his jeweler is horrible. Um, what, are you, what are you liking in this one? I, I'm with you on the Saints. I, th- I think the, the Saints will be a real revenge team this year for a number of reasons, but especially the shall we say, incorrect decision that befell them against the Rams um, late on last season. You know, mm-hmm. I I can see the Saints coming back with a real, real, real vengeance. Yeah. Um, I I like the Bruce Arians effect in, in Tampa Bay to give them a bit of a boost, but I think that's a two-year program rather yeah. than a one-year. Um, I don't see them necessarily ending up with a winning record this year. Um, I'm not sold on Jameis personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe... Arians has done a lot with quarterbacks in the past and maybe he can really help them but I think that's a two year program rather than a one year Um, I'm a big Cam Newton fan and I really hope for his and the Panthers sake that they can push forward I love the McCaffrey Newton backfield I think that's really special Um, I I think basically the Saints will win the division and then the Falcons and the Panthers will be right neck and neck both pushing for a wild card spot and the question is, do one of them get it or do neither of them get it? And that's really my question that I think we'll answer during the season. Yeah, it could be. I mean, Atlanta was really befallen by not only just so many injuries, but a bad defense. Uh, you know, Matt Matt Ryan has played some exceptional football, put some some good numbers, but if there's no one to throw to and you're getting sacked all the time, it doesn't really help. Without without Julio, they would be in trouble. For they sure. would be. And Carolina, it's to me, it's one of those things, again, an injury. I mean, if Christian McCaffrey gets injured, your team's done. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. I feel that. like there's a lot of teams like that, though. There are a lot of teams whose premier running back is so... You know, if Zeke... Yeah. Know, we spoke about Zeke, but if Zeke got injured after they paid him, then I don't know what they would do. Yeah, there's... Um, you know, and... Uh, but, I, I, yeah, I, I'm with you in terms of McCaffrey. is so integral to that Panthers team. I, 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 think, the, I think it's the Saints division to lose regardless. Yeah. yeah. All right, and we're on the last one, the NFC West. Uh, Cardinals, Rams, 49ers, and Seahawks. You know, Seahawks made some good moves, uh, some really smart trades, I think. Uh, San Francisco really sucked the big one last year with injuries and Jimmy G going down. And the Rams, uh, crap in the bed in the Super Bowl, whereas the Cardinals had one of the worst division, the worst you know starts ever. Um, how things will change, and, and will the Rams be able to come back and take this division again? I think probably, yeah. Um, I think they've they've kept enough of their pieces, and you know, whereas the Saints are a revenge team, the Rams are an embarrassed team, mm-hmm. and I think that we're not having that again. Mm-hmm. You know, even if they don't make the Super Bowl, as long as it's not in that sense, yes. you know, I think they could they could they could come back with a bit of a vengeance there. Um, you know, it, it becomes harder and harder to bet against the Seahawks generally because they always just seem to be right there yeah. at the end of the season competing either in the playoffs or right there and thereabouts. Um, I'm really intrigued to see what DK Metcalf does. Yeah. He obviously had such a huge reputation in the draft and fell a lot further down the pecking order than some people thought. Mm-hmm. But you just look at him and you think, I want to see what happens there. Yeah. You know, it's just a really interesting storyline. I am very excited to see Kyler Murray. Yeah. I don't think that it would be wise to say that the Cardinals are going to win a lot of games this year but I'm very interested to see what Kyler Murray does um, David Johnson needs to bounce back for that yeah. he needs to kind of make good on the promise he showed a couple of years ago and being such a good running back and yeah. a fantasy player as well um, but I do think I do think the Rams will, will have enough to win the division um, I, th- I think maybe the Seahawks in second as well Yeah, I, it's going to be interesting I, I think there's a lot of pressure now on Jimmy G uh, and you got George Kittle, who really stood up on his head for San Francisco oh, last year. It, it is going to be interesting to mention our, uh, Arizona because 
you know, really when you had Carson Palmer, who is not a very mobile quarterback, um, and it really took David Johnson, you know, the plays, there's not a lot of play option, there pass option, play action passes yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so basically, I think this is a good way to use him. You know, that if Kyler Murray can find a good rapport with David Johnson, where he's able to dish the ball out, he's able to scramble himself because he's a great scrambler, got good vision, and if he's able to use, you know, Johnson in the slot and use him as a receiver, there, there's good because Johnson's really good. He's good. He's got a good blocking ability. He's a strong dude. This could be an interesting, a very interesting division. Rams obviously coming back from that loss, and, and they got to get their running game. That defense though is is impeccable. Yeah, it's legit. I mean, I, I, the the Rams definitely. I think like we've mentioned briefly early earlier, Gurley is is a real watch in this. You know, mm-hmm. we have to see what he's going to do and if he's going to hold up and play as many snaps as he has done previously and been so yeah. effective. Um, you know, going going back onto the Cardinals, I think you have to stop Kyler taking the big hits. Yeah. Because he is slight, and I'm not saying he's not tough, but he is smaller, which makes him elusive, but yeah. it also means if, you know, a Demarcus Lawrence from the Cowboys or someone gets a grab of him, they could absolutely crush him. Yeah. And so I think it's important for them that... Murray is well protected whether yeah. that is David Johnson or something I could see a lot of options in in the Cardinals um, offense in terms of you know a little keeper or a fake keep hand it off yeah. to Johnson you know f- you know some trick plays um, you know with a first year head coach who wants to make an impact in Kingsbury so I'm, I'm interested I'm interested to watch the Cardinals yeah. I don't think they'll be hugely successful initially yeah. but I think they'll be just exciting enough to kind of create some positive kind of uh, media interest moving forward for them yeah I mean you take it you get a few wins up your belt and, and it could turn into something and we'll just finish this off uh, so we said you said Patriots for AFC who do you think it for NFC <sighs> on the spot on the spot um I'm going to go on the Drew Brees revenge tour. Yeah. Let's say Saints, um, which I think might be a bit of an obvious pick. You know, they've just signed Michael Thomas to the yeah. big, big extension. Um, but I really like what they've got. I think Kamara, obviously, supreme talent, and Thomas with, with that as well. Yeah. Sean Payton just seems to find ways to use players that, that makes a lot of sense. Taysom Hill was so exciting to watch yeah, last year. Yeah, was. Um, I like the Saints to maybe end up playing the Rams again in the NFC Championship game in a really yeah. nice way. Though, if you want to throw your Bears in there, I'm not going to say no. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I could see the, the playoff teams being Rams, Saints, Bears, Packers, Cowboys, Eagles in the NFC. Yeah, I could see that as well. I, I'm more uh, drifting towards the Saints as well. I think after that, you know, as you say, that playoff loss last yeah. year, that now referees are going to have to go on trial for yes. this. And all this is ridiculous, you know, chasing this whole thing. Um but they're just, you know, Drew Brees with his agedness coming up. They spread the ball around a lot last year. I think they almost spread it around too much. Mm-hmm. Lost focus. He was trying to give it around to all these undrafted guys without really realizing their sort of defense fell off the, the hook. And, you know, there was a real drop in terms of points being scored that they were racking it up through week eight. And then they just sort of it just fell off the cliff. Um, but you got to love Drew Brees. The guy's, yeah. you know, a classy guy, a good football player, good vision. Well, I mean, a, a Saints-Patriots Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm watching that. As long as there's more than 19 points scored, I would be very happy to do take that. the over. Now, are you planning on going to see? You said your girlfriend's coming over. Are you going to plan on seeing any of the games this year in London? Yes, yeah, so I'm going to the Bears Raiders one uh, okay. first weekend of October. Nice, the new Tottenham Stadium, which I'm really excited to just see the stadium first yeah. and foremost. Um, but it's the first 
obviously having been in the US it's the first London game I've been to in quite a while yeah um, my last one was the Patriots Buccaneers at Wembley in I want to say 2010 late 2010 yeah, okay. um, so I'm very excited to see that and, and go and do that and uh, I just think it's great the the number of games that they're bringing over here now you know all the players seem to enjoy it yeah um, and you know it's obviously it's making money for the league which is not a bad thing in terms of the league's interest but it's just great to give it a more global outreach and I also like the fact that they're now playing the games at the same time as they would be in the US yeah so you don't have these because in the US it's, it's kind of awkward if the game kicks off at 10 a.m. yeah and everyone's like oh there's a game on I yeah I didn't know about it whereas yeah when you can cut to the Raiders Bears say this game is live in London 6 p.m. start time here noon yeah. central in the US I just think it makes you feel like more of a part of the league rather than a separate side no I know I think I think also part of that you know the one difference I've noticed is as a promoter of putting on events is when you do have the games here at say 6 p.m. The fans are absolutely wasted because <laughs> they just drink. It's a British thing. Everyone yeah. starts drinking during the day, whereas a lot of sporting events here are used to happen in the afternoon. Yeah. And so when you actually have it's like, oh, the game's not till 6. Well, everyone lets meet at 11 because people have come in from outside of London. They start drinking. I mean, you're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then a lot of these guys would come to our events afterwards, yeah. and you see them, and you're like, you can't, you can't even walk, let yeah. alone come in. You know, it just, as long as people pace their alcohol, yeah. that's a good thing. But pace it always. Uh, anyway, that's it. That's it for this uh, episode. Everyone, thanks for listening. Thanks for Calum for coming in and, oh, and good luck with you. your girlfriend coming over and, <laughs> and having a little European travel. And go Dolphins and go Bears and thanks for listening.